You're listening to the UI podcast by the Swedish Institute of International Affairs. Welcome everybody to this seminar on corruption after the Arab Spring with Tunisia as a prime example. We have a great panel to discuss this and uh, but before I introduce them just a few words about the this seminar and uh, the topic itself. It's co-arranged uh, between us at UI um, together with Transparency International, the Swedish branch. It's uh, co it's financed by Riksbanken's Jubileums Fund. It's an independent foundation with money coming from the Swedish Central Bank. And this is the third seminar in a series of discussions on corruption and world order. There will be a fourth one um, uh, about China uh, later this spring, I think on the 27th of March, if you want to attend. If you want to tweet, you can use UI event as the tweet. And my name is Bitta Hammergren. I'm the head of the Middle East and North Africa department at our institute. From Tunis, we have Youssef Sharif, um, political analyst on Tunisia, contributor to many think tanks and other institutions. And you're now the deputy director of Columbia Center in Tunis, a regional hub for Columbia University in the, in the, the Arab world. You also have experience in Libya. You've worked on the War and Peace uh, Reporting Institute. Okay, just about the topic, a few words. I mean, resentment against corruption was, the way I saw it, a common denominator behind the popular uprisings during the Arab Spring. And I followed those on the ground as a journalist in, in the spring of 2011. And there was really at the time a hope for a fresh democratic start and, and a hope for a clean governance in one country from the other. And we remember how it failed due to authoritarianism, wars and conflicts, or violent crackdowns on peaceful protesters in different countries. However, Tunisia did stand out as the shining example that change for a democracy is possible. But many people have been warning that this transition, which is crucial for the Arab world, has been challenged and, and is actually at risk and are claiming that corruption is one of the core elements of why this democratic transition is at risk. And there are very many reports with strong wordings about this and we can come back to the issue. But uh, I will leave the floor to you now, Josef, to give us an idea of the challenges and lessons learned from Please. Thank you. Um, thank you for inviting me and thank you for coming. Um, I would like to start by saying first that I'm not an expert on, on corruption, but uh, I've been involved in, not involved in corruption affairs, but I've been involved in a lot of uh, workshops and research on corruption um, in Tunisia mainly, uh, with Carnegie, with the UN, and um, I lived, I live in Tunis and I lived also a little bit in Syria and Egypt. So. Um, and today living in Tunis makes you confronted to news about corruption every day, so it's part of my breakfast in a way. Uh, therefore, I will try to, um, to speak a little bit about what I know about the topic, the challenges, uh, and uh, how, how, think, how we can overcome things. Um, and uh, from what you will hear, you will find a lot of similarities if you know other 
um, if you're familiar with other countries in the uh, in the region, you'll find a lot of similarities with uh, with what I'm saying. Um, and I have to give a small disclaimer: is that as um, as pessimistic as I may sound, and as bad as it may look, you have to bear in mind that this is a country in transition, and uh, that it's um, Tunisia is in a better position than the Arab countries in in the region. So to begin with, um, corruption is widely defined in the international world, uh, and um, Transparency International has a lot of um, publications on the topic. But if you go to Tunisia, you will find that many people do not exactly um, know how to define corruption, or uh, or there are disagreements on what what is corruption and who is corrupt, and uh, what is who is fighting corruption, who is encouraging corruption, and and so on. Um, but in general, if you ask, uh, people are opposed to corruption, if you ask a general question. If you take, for instance, the uh, polls by the International Republican Institute in uh, Tunisia, um, and by the way, if you're interested in Tunisia, the IRI polls are among the most uh, um, important ones to, to make you get the feeling of how, uh, how the street uh, think and talk. Uh, so if, if I take a poll from August uh, last year, it was published in September, 12% um, of Tunisians think that corruption is the single most important problem their country faces today. Um, corruption actually comes second in the list of priorities that Tunisians wish to see addressed by their government. 50% um, of Tunisians think that corruption is what stops businesses of, um, of uh, improving in, in, their, uh, in Tunisia. And um, actually more important, and this is very much tied to the Upcoming local elections we'll have in May, 72% of Tunisians want the upcoming local councils to address uh, the, uh, the issue of corruption and to fight corruption. So, in a way, for most Tunisians, this is, uh, this is a, major, uh, a major problem. Um, and um, most Tunisians as well, uh, and according to IRI, I think um, 80 to 90% of Tunisians think that corruption increased after the Arab Spring, after 2011. Um, and um, frankly, living in Tunisia, uh, I, I have to admit that uh, not going through corruption and not resorting to corruption makes your life sometimes a hell uh, in, in, in the country. Um, take, for instance, the uh, heavy bureaucratic measures that the, that the state applies. Uh, and here I'm talking mostly of pre-2011, but many things still, still persist today, uh, especially in, the, in, in regards to the bureaucracy. So in order to start a business, an NGO, um, any structured activity in, in, in Tunisia, you need some sort of permit by the official authorities. And I think this makes sense. Um, otherwise, you'll have, I don't know, coffee shops in the street or, or things like that. And I think this applies to, to uh, all over the world. Um, but in order to get this permit, you, um, you have to go through a very complicated set of procedures, uh, which requires tons of documentations. Um, and um, in order to, to, to open the smallest uh, shop, you will always need help from uh, counsel, lawyer, uh, bailiff, uh, and so on, because it's, it's very complicated and it's not easy to find uh, what documentations are needed and what steps are, are needed. Um, so to do this, uh, even with, with the counsel and the bailiff and so on, you have high chances to get, uh, to get uh, the, your application uh, rejected. You, uh, you get the procedures wrong for some reason. Uh, sometimes the person in charge of your uh, dossier in, in, in the public, in any public office, can 
um, cannot be in the office or can ask for more documentation uh, or can ask for different formulation on your application and so on. Uh, this takes months, sometimes even years. So um, confronted to these barriers, uh, a lot of people find it easier to resort to some form of, of corruption. Um, be it the, the petty corruption that goes from bribing uh, someone in, in, uh, at the door of, of a specific office uh, to giving favors to someone who knows someone, who can introduce you to someone and thinks um, have more chances to work. Um, there is also the use of, um, of, the family, um, of the family ties, of the political ties, etc., etc. Uh, and uh, it is possible that this has increased after 2011. Um, I don't have a pulse on this, but it's quite possible. The economic situation of the country, the political situation, the political crisis that we see in Tunisia makes um, a, lot of, um, a lot of fragility and, and some vacuums uh, that, can, that, can be, uh, that can introduce corruption. Um, but also, on the other hand, it's only now that people can uh, speak freely and think loudly about their problems. So also that can um, that that's affecting how people um, how people perceive things. So it's only today, after 2011, that people can talk freely about uh, about these things. Um, and so, when when we say that the um, uh, but when we say this and when we say that corruption increased after 2011, uh, there is often the the remark that uh, but the Arab Spring started because of corruption. Uh, many people think that. All the demonstrations that, that happened in 2010 and 2011 were targeted against the, the corruption of public, uh, public of, uh, officers. Um, and uh, so demonstrators were uh, often heard in, in 2011 uh, saying that they want the corrupt officials to be uh, taken out of their jobs, uh, etc., etc. Um, which, is, uh, which is partly true, but, um, but in fact, if, if these thousands of demonstrators um, were given access to the corruption networks that existed in the country uh, and able to benefit from, uh, from, these, uh, from the, the, the corruption network we, networks we refer to, um, would, have, uh, would, have, uh, would they have demonstrated? I'm not sure about that. Um, the, the, the demonstrators were angry against their exclusion from the from, uh, these, uh, corruption network rather than against corruption itself. Um, and so... If, if you take, um, so that's why when I, earlier when I said um, for Tunisians, uh, the, the definition of corruption is, uh, is not 100% uh, certain. Um, very often people participate in corruption without knowing that they are participated in, participating in, in corruption. Um, for instance, there are often demonstrations in uh, the mining areas of Tunisia. Um, where um, people often demonstrate against uh, the fact that they don't have jobs or that uh, or what they call the corruption in the uh, in the offices uh, that that uh, that are in charge of the mines. Um, but in fact, very often they are asking for jobs for their next of kins, uh, jobs for their sons or their people from their clan or their their family or their clan in a specific area, rather than asking for um, for a transparent way of recruitment and so on. Um, sometimes um, em employees of specific uh, companies um, go on strike because uh, they, they are not allowed to give their, uh, their jobs to their uh, sons in, in, specific, um, in specific companies. Um, and so part of the reason why, why people think that corruption has increased after 2011 lies, lies here. And um, I, will explain, I will explain this quickly um, because before 2011, the, um, 
the, the Tunisian bureaucracy was um, was functioning. There were a lot of things that were functioning, but also there were there was in it a very clientelist uh, facet, uh, and things worked in in a way. Uh, so in order to get work done, um, as I said earlier, you have to go through your connections, family, political connections, friends, um, uh, offer privileges, get privileges. And um, most Tunisians before 2011 knew how to navigate through this, uh, through this system and um, were able to get the needed permits and, uh, and services without necessarily knowing it was corruption. After 2011, with the revolution, this whole system was uh, disturbed. This whole system uh, went upside down, and this is due to many reasons, mainly the fact that uh, there was a series of, of governments that uh, went to power. There were a lot of changes inside the different uh, administrations. Um, there were reforms, good ones, bad ones. There were uh, restructurations, purges, etc. So the whole system went upside down. And what used to be what used to be solved through one phone call and a few dollars uh, became much more complicated and uh, and um, and much more expensive. Uh, so this is these are the, the main issues um, when it comes to uh, defining defining corruption in uh, in Tunisia. Um, now, what is um, what is happening or what is being done in order to address this in uh, since 2011, uh, there is this, um, first of all, there were a series of uh, commissions that were established uh, to fight corruption uh, since the first weeks following the revolution uh, until today. Uh, today, there is the um, uh, National Anti-Corruption Agency that, uh, that, that was formed actually by constitutional decree, and it's there. Uh, and it's there to stay. Uh, there are a number of law texts that were passed. Um, such as the one to protect whistleblowers, uh, and um, actually Transparency International was uh, was quite influential in in this one through their uh, local networks in Tunis. Um, there was also the access of information law, etc. Um, there um, there are also um, a lot of reports by local and international organizations. Uh, be it the World Bank, the UN, etc., etc., uh, that uh, describe corruption in Tunisia and how uh, to get out of the corruption problem in in the country. Uh, and um, there were a lot of, of course, a lot of arrests in 2011. A lot of arrests and trials of people accused of corruption before 2011. After 2011, a lot of, um, not a lot, but after 2011, there were arrests of people. Uh, occasionally, um, directors of banks, people in the customs. Um, so there is something something going on against corruption. And most recently, um, in um, there was also a strategy, a state strategy uh, to fight corruption that was signed, I think, in 2015 or 16. Um, and most recently, since last year, the the, the government has um, has declared the war on corruption, uh, and. Uh, what this means, I mean, they, 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 we love to use the word war in the region. I mean, this is the good thing about Tunisia, you don't have real wars, but you have all kind of uh, mini, mini wars. And this war against corruption um, started last year, I think in May, uh, and um, many, many widely known people, uh, and actually quite influential people were arrested, um, be it businessmen, people in the public sector, in the customs, in the police and other places, um, I think um, this this has uh, this has touched 
dozens of people, if not hundreds of people, uh, are now on trial because of, uh, because of corruption. Um, but um, with all this, there are still a lot of issues. Um, the, um, uh, in, I think, last year, there was this uh, law uh, that was passed that, uh, that was said to be protecting uh, people accused of corruption. It's not exactly that, but uh, this is a law that gives people who were accused of corruption, some people who were accused of corruption before 2011, uh, it would give them amnesty. Um, and uh, the law was passed last year. The interesting part is that when the law was first discussed and uh, the, the time between the discussion of the law or the first draft of the law and the, uh, the time that the law has passed, um, we, we got something like two to three years of discussions and debates and the law was actually amended um, according to these debates. So at least that shows that democracy is working in a way in, in Tunisia. Uh, there are also a lot of criticism to the current war on corruption that it's targeting specific people, but not, uh, not everyone. Uh, this is, I think this is quite normal in, 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 uh, in, a, in a country or in a government where uh, corruption actually touches even people who are uh, political parties that form the current government, some of them, uh, have uh, people in their leadership accused of corruption. Uh, so the government is not coming from, uh, you know, from, uh, from the sky. It's, it's coming out of, of, out of these political parties, and many of them are accused of corruption. And actually, the head of a political party that is not anymore in government, but that was in, in government uh, up to last year, um, is, uh, is facing now a lot of corruption trials. Uh, and, uh, um, and so this, the accusations to the government that it's not doing enough or that it's targeting only specific clans and not everyone um, is, um, uh, is making the current war on, on corruption uh, quite um, criticized by a lot of people in, in Tunisia. Um, the, uh, the head of the constitutional, um, the EZ, the constitution... National authority to organize elections um, actually resigned last year in a very uh, with a with a very well-known press conference where he was crying and he talked about corruption as a main threat um, and even the head of the national authority against uh, to fight against corruption uh, just uh, I think two weeks ago was saying that corruption is endemic in Tunisia and that it's affecting all sectors and that it's very hard to uh, to fight and. Um, uh, and so, therefore, um, and I'm, I'm finishing here, uh, Vite, uh, therefore, the, the fight on, against corruption in Tunisia is still, um, uh, still needs some time. There are these institutions that are still working. There is civil society, some civil society groups that are uh, pressuring forwards. Uh, there are um, some people in government who really genuinely believe uh, on, on the fight of, on, uh, against corruption. Um, the international community is also helping Tunisia in this, uh, although sometimes you have a lot of um, mainly European countries that, uh, that are involved in corruption scandals in, in Tunisia uh, and European individuals who actually use the, uh, you know, the, the, use the, the situation um, for their own gains. Uh, but all in all, I think it's continuing and um, I look forward to the discussion. Find us on www.ui.sc. We are also on Facebook and on Twitter with UI Sweden. And we're also on YouTube, where you can watch our seminars and interviews.